This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AmbaCast. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about what it takes to move the headquarters of a DMV. And nonetheless, do it during an international pandemic. So I'm going to talk to Tori Jessup. Tori is the commissioner of the North Carolina Division of Motor Vehicles. Tori, welcome to your first appearance on the Amphicast. Hey, Ian, it's great to be on the Amphicast. Um, I'm a big fan. Well, I appreciate I appreciate that a lot. Um, and it's also great to do this with you in person. We're getting to do these a little bit more and more in person as opposed to, you know, that flat screen technology, which is always, always nice to have that in-person carbon life form <laughs> indeed indeed yeah um, so Tori, i kind of teed it up um you just moved headquarters you know i said like yeah there's nothing to it folks um but you know t- take us back to the the beginning i think there's an idea that everybody everybody wants the new shiny office right how, how long ago does a discussion in north carolina start that says we have to move we want to move where, where does that start so that's interesting. Um, it actually, the discussion started prior to uh, my coming on board in mm. tw- uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to believe it's been that long, but uh, um, that, that was a, a piece of news that I wasn't aware of when I came on board. <laughs> and uh, someone came up to me um, when I was uh, at a board meeting. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know you're going to have to move the headquarters. And wow. I said, oh, okay. That wasn't part of my onboarding notes. Oh, um, wow. So, um, but at that time, it, you know, it was not in statute that we had to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, we knew that we were in a very, very old building uh, that had some concerns. Um, and, you know, the, most of the safety concerns had been dealt with so that we could remain in the building for a short period of time. Um, but we had to move. We needed to move. Uh, it was the best thing for the organization. Uh, so in 2018, um, the legislature mandated it that mm. we that we move by October 1, 2020. Well, so, what was the legislature's interest in having you move? Did they want you to move or they just recognize this has to be done and we need to put it in statute to make sure it happens? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to speculate on what the interest was, <laughs> um, but uh, they, 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 they thought it was important enough for us to get out of that building that they put it in statute. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, they set a date of October 1, 2020. And yeah. as you know, that scared me because what I did know coming into uh, this role was that uh, that was the real ID enforcement date. Right. So we would be dealing with two major undertakings at the same time. And, of course, no one knew that we'd be also dealing with a pandemic. Right. Um, right, right, so, right. yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we started planning. Uh, once it was put in, in statute, we started looking for space. Um, looked at a lot of property around the Raleigh area. Um, but what the statute uh, said was that um, that the new headquarters location would be located in Wake County, which is where Raleigh is, or surrounding counties. Mm. And so that broadened the footprint. Sure. Uh, there's a group out of Rocky Mount, North Carolina, that put forward a bid. Um, and it turned out to be the lowest bid. Mm. Um, and that location was 55 miles away from wow. the new, I mean, from, from the original headquarters location. So you, 
this is all happening. You come on board. Location hasn't been selected, so you now select the the location. Uh, I imagine that announcement in of itself that you are moving 55 miles away. Right. There's a lot of internal communication and staff morale impact of that alone. Yeah, immediately. Um, as soon as the word got out that um, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina would be the location of the new DMV headquarters, of course, uh, staff are concerned. I mean, we, we knew that the majority, I mean, like 80% of our staff uh, live within five miles of the mm -hmm. current headquarters location, uh, which meant that everybody would have at least a at least a 50 mile commute, wow. if not more. Um, so, you know, that was concerning to me. And, and, you know, what that meant is that I needed to be concerned about attrition. Mm -hmm. um, but what I also committed to, I mean, because, you know, what we often don't do a good job of is change management. I mean, and this is a great big change for our organization. Um, but what I committed to do was to have monthly town hall meetings. Um, mm -hmm. And um, th those were, um, you know, um, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were not shy to challenge you. Well, not shy to challenge me, and I don't blame. Yeah. I, I don't blame our employees. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it, that's a big shift. Yeah. Um, you know, 55 miles from home, or 50 miles from home, or or your current workplace, means that now you've lost two hours there out of every day. Yeah. Um, you know that you would typically be using for something else. Yeah. Um, not to mention um, the cost of uh, operating a vehicle on the right. road for that Driving long, whether it's gas or just wear and tear. Yeah. So those are real things that we started to think about with our employees. So in the headquarters, how many employees are you talking about that were potentially going to be yeah, relocated? Yeah, so about 500 positions. Mm -hmm. um, when we ended up moving, we were probably at 450. We probably had about a 10% vacancy at that time yeah. just in headquarters. Um, so, and was it all backroom and administrative, or do you also have customer-facing functions that were in headquarters? Yeah, so glad you asked that question because um, what what I decided to do is tr to treat the headquarters like a real headquarters. I mean, you know, you don't have um, uh, a Walmart headquarters that actually is serving the public, right? right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we made a decision that the public facing parts of the organization at headquarters would remain in Raleigh, hmm. okay? Um, so it gave us an opportunity to, to do something that we needed to do there, and I'll go back to that. But um, we, we decided just to move the back office operations uh, to Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and um, we created what we call the Raleigh Super Center uh, for the public facing hmm. um, um, uh, types of things that needed to be, get done. Uh, so it gave us an opportunity to actually um, increase our capacity in our driver's license office uh, area. Um, the Raleigh area is a fast-growing area. As a matter of fact, Johnston County is just adjacent to Wake County, and that's mm -hmm. the fastest-growing county in the country. Oh, really? And wow. so, and so um, we, we needed more we, capacity we needed in that capacity part of the, the, the part state. And so, state. you know, it gave so, us an opportunity, know, opportunity to, to uh, create a, I think it's a 15 workstation driver's license office in addition to the vehicle services office that we already had at headquarters. So, you know, that's a positive that came out of the move, um, but you know, then but, there was you know, the back office, was operations. back office operations, and right. so we had to plan for that and and plan for that attrition. Yeah, yeah. And so you're planning for it. Um, what else now goes into? We'll, we'll talk about 
the attrition a little bit later because yep. I want to know where that ended up. Mm -hmm. But now you're starting to plan for this big movie, figuring out what's staying, what's going. Does it become at this point now that you separate out kind of the customers facing from the administrative and back end, does it make it become a more traditional corporate office move or is it, you know, what is still unique to the fact that you're moving DMV operations now that you've decided to leave the customer facing in Raleigh? Yeah, I mean it. it, it it's strictly uh, back office. Yeah. It's yeah. It's more of a corporate headquarters kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's um, where we receive most of our mail uh, for processing, mm. such as titles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, medical certifications and, and things like that. I mean, that that's what we're doing in, in our headquarters primarily. Uh, you know, small call center staff, um, our bigger call centers in another county of the state, which. Mm -hmm you know, kind of gave us an indication of what we might expect because that moved years before. Um, but, you know, some, some of the positions that we were looking at um, in, in headquarters as it moved were, you know, some, some, some low skill, low wage, easy to train, easy to fill positions. But we also have individuals who are doing things like adjudications of driving records, which mm -hmm. requires uh, specific knowledge that is gained over time. Um, which, you know, when you think about attrition and knowledge loss, um, you have to you have to be concerned, yeah. and you have to try to figure out, you know, either how, how do you retain those employees, or you know, how do you deal with the knowledge loss? Yeah. So in yeah. the town halls, as you're hearing that that pushback, which mm -hmm. is making these alarm bells go off, is it is it just about commute, or what? Are, what's the other things that you're having to address and tackle through the town halls that might impact your planning for the new office? Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. Commute was a big part of it, right? C you know, commute was work-life balance, getting the kids to events, blah blah blah. That that was the issue. Yeah. Um, you know, all of the above. Um, individuals. You know, understanding, you know, the time, the resources uh, that it would take from them in order to continue to work in the, in, the, in the jobs that many of them have been working in for, I mean, you know, their whole career. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I remember talking to one employee and she said that, you know, she's been walking to work for 25 years. Wow. Um, which, you know, it, it, you know, it hit me <laughs> pretty hard. Um, but it's something that we had to do. We didn't really have a choice. And uh, so I said, okay, we're gonna make the best of it, right? Um, so we heard a lot from employees about the commute, you know, were we gonna provide, you know, uh, buses or, you know, mm. um, were we gonna uh, provide relocation, yep. um, things like that. And we tried to figure it out. But then what happened was that uh, the Department of Transportation, which the North Carolina Division of Motor Vehicles is part of the uh, Department of Transportation, um, we hit a fiscal crisis. Mm. So some of the things that we were talking about doing went away all of a sudden, um, and we couldn't offer those things mm. to employees. So that made it even more challenging. Yeah, I bet. Um, although we did stick to you know relocation, and we had to clearly define what relocation meant. Um, so you offered packages for people to be able to relocate their families, to be able to well, be within I mean, a closer the, radius. The state has a policy uh, on, on relocation. If you know, if you're required to move for yeah. your job, uh, and you want to move your home, and uh, it had, you know, I think we defined it as you know, you have to live within the 10 mile radius of the new headquarters location, um, and you know, it wasn't much, but it was something towards moving costs. Right. 
Um, so not many uh, employees took advantage of that. Yeah, I, I can only think of maybe one. Oh, wow. Uh, to be honest with you. But uh, most of our employees are uh, taking, making the commute. So were you able to make other changes or accommodations in the end? Or was it at the end of the day, it was, hey, I know this is a big change in your lifestyle, uh, but this is essentially your choice. You either come with us or we respect that you can't. Yeah, well, and, and that's what it ended up being. Um, it, but the, the, that, that little thing, that, that pandemic happened, right? Yeah. And that forced everybody who could work remotely home. So the pandemic right? hits, you haven't moved yet. We haven't moved yet. You've designed the offices, that's they're right. being built. That's right. And it hits. Yeah. So, you know, the first phase uh, of, of our move started in the summer, early summer. Okay. The pandemic hit in the spring of 2020. Um, You'd start moving in summer 2020 so, after it hits or before it hits? So, so the pandemic hits in March 2020. Yeah, you're supposed to move and that then, summer. And then the first phase starts in like June 2020. Okay. okay. And there were several phases up until uh, December of Got 2020. Um, so, you know, I guess it kind of worked out because <laughs> um, the individuals, some of the individuals that work in the back office who do have some of the, the higher skill um, um, roles um, were kind of we, we were kind of forced to send them home, mm -hmm. you know, to create uh, a work environment that um, was conducive to social distancing, and so they didn't feel the impact of that move immediately. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was kind of helpful. I mean, it, we didn't plan it that way. Of course, um, we had been talking about uh, a pilot telework program to retain employees, uh, but this just really propelled that idea. Uh, and made it real, real fast. Right. Yeah. So that that helped out uh, uh, a great deal. And so when we did that, I just kind of looked at, you know, okay, moving forward, you know, the the expectation for attrition would be in uh, the roles that could not telework. Mm -hmm. uh, and then phase two would be whenever we kind of bring people back into the office, you know, as the things settle with the pandemic, that we would probably see another phase. Yeah of attrition. So what criteria did you use to determine what could go remote versus what had to be in person? Yeah, well, I mean, so th th there are things that just can't be remote, like um, in, in, in what we call uh, our scan center, right? Mm -hmm. Documents, you know. Um, the documents to be mailing in, you have to delivered. physically deal That's with right. the documents. You have, you have to physically prepare those documents in order uh, to have them scanned, for example. I mean, that can't be done at home. Um, and so we had a team of people. As a matter of fact, we started running two shifts during the pandemic because a lot of people started mailing You're their documents mail. in yeah. uh, as opposed to bringing them into one of our license plate agencies. And so uh, that was one thing that we had to do was go to a second shift mm. uh, in that part of the organization. Uh, in order to keep up. Um, but those types of positions cannot telework. Mm -hmm. um, you know, someone who is reviewing a record, um, you know, to make sure that it, it's adjudicated properly, uh, they can do that from home as long as they, those documents were available to them in a secure manner. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, we could easily do that. And how did that hit you as a leader? Was it a surprise to see how many could actually be home that maybe you hadn't considered when you were first looking at the move? Or did it reinforce some assumptions just from the Tory Jessup's view of the world? How did that process well, for you? Well, I, I did have some surprises, right? Yeah. It, it, it was more than I thought. Um, we had some teams, you know, we allowed them to be creative. So, you know, because 
when, when the director goes to the team and say, hey, you can't telework, this unit cannot telework, mm -hmm. and the unit comes back and says, hey, we can telework, and this is how we want to do it. And so our, our liability insurance unit, for example, mm -hmm. uh, they came to the director and said, hey, we'll have one person that scans every day so that we all, everybody else, can see the documents, um, and they'll just rotate. So you rather know, than us all going in every day, that's right. We're going to take turns, and, and, and we allowed that, um, which you know I thought was great. Yeah. And um, you know sometimes that is a that that is a great incentive too, mm -hmm. uh, because they know that if management is saying, "Hey, you're not able to do it," but they willing that, that but management is willing to uh, give them an opportunity to prove that it can work. They're going to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and sure. you know and it did. Um, so you know really proud of the team for one. The, the supervisor for being flexible, mm -hmm. right? Because that's mm -hmm. the type of organization I'd like. Mm. Um, is you know when, when employees have ideas that we vet those ideas and we allow them to test it out. Yeah. And you know if it can work, then make it work. Um, but um, really proud of the team for you know being flexible on the managerial side, but also creative on the employee side. Yeah, yeah. So now as you get to the other phases. What happens? You have, you know, you've designed the space for a certain amount of people to come into, and now right. you've got this team and other teams that are going. We're going to figure out not how to. We don't have to go to that space anymore. Right. Uh, all of a sudden, you've got the space you've designed for people that presumably isn't being used. Yeah. Well, and that's true. And, and that was that was a concern early on. Um, but we were we were at a place where. Uh, telework was required. It was a safety concern, sure. right? And so, as things uh, kind of settled, um, you know, we learned more about the virus uh, and how to prevent the spread. We learned how to, uh, well, and, and then there became a vaccine available. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right now we're like eighty some percent vaccination uh, on our headquarters Excellent. campus, seventy Fantastic. some percent across the entire division. Um, so uh, we, we, we knew that the temporary telework policy that was put in place, or I'll call it an emergency telework policy that mm -hmm. was in, in place, was going to change. And it did change. And so we had to bring in more people. Uh, I think the, uh, it, it shifted to where you could not have more than 80% of a unit, I mean, I'm sorry, more than 20% of a unit teleworking at a time. Mm. Right? So you had to have 80% of your unit in at all times. Mm -hmm. That shifted, you know, when we had the, uh, the, the surge in cases uh, a couple months ago uh, to 50%. And so, you know, we've been required to utilize that space um, because of the shift in the telework policy. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we've got plenty of space uh, to be able to make sure that individuals can come into the office and safely social distance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a better condition than the previous location because the previous location was not ideal for right. that. And it would be safe to assume that with the combination of the telework policies and the flexibility of stuff with supervisors, that changed your retention strategy because now it maybe wasn't as a critical issue as maybe it was when you started. Right. And, 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 and I'll be honest with you, that retention strategy, I mean, there's a lot of flexibility in that today. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a, as we move forward, um, you know, if, if directors bring to me concerns with retention in, in certain areas, I mean, we have to do what we have to do to make sure that, you know, there's a continuity of operations, which was the number one goal during this move, mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. to move without disruption 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I wanted um, this move to occur so that the public could not feel it, right? That was the number one goal. Um, the, the, the second goal was to manage attrition mm-hmm. um, uh, well. And so uh, we, we were, we, I'm, I'm still giving uh, leadership supervisors that flexibility, you know, to come to, to me, come to the deputy commissioners and, you know, state the concern about um, being able to maintain high quality level of service uh, and efficient service um, so that we can determine, you know, what is the bat- best path forward, mm-hmm. um, you know, and at the same time being fair to all as much as possible. So how have you done on those two goals? Do you feel like you've started the retention numbers? As yeah. You, you know, yeah. we talked about the flexibility in the process. Do the numbers match where you want them to be? Um, so the... <laughs> Let me say this. When I set the goal, I didn't know we were going to run into a pandemic. Fair enough. Right. Um, we, we, we knew that we were going to have somewhere between, we thought, zero to 25, 30 percent attrition. Right. We ended up at like 25 percent turnover. OK. Um, so we, 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 kinda, we got that right. Mostly retirements, I would, I would uh, imagine. A, a, a good number of retirements. Yeah. You know, before we moved, uh, took a look at the number of employees that were eligible for retirement. Yeah. And it was 30 percent of the organization. Sure. Uh, not everybody exercised that. We still have some people exercising, um, you know, their, their qualification for retirement. Um, but we did see a lot of retirements. We saw a lot of people moving to other organizations, other state mm-hmm. entities uh, that were in the Raleigh area. Um, and, you know, um, so we, 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 we saw what we expected to see, right? Yeah. Um, in, in terms of individuals leaving the organization. With regard to retention, um, you know, unfortunately, we're not able to be as flexible as we'd like to be. You know, one big thing um, with retention is, I mean, pe- people want to, um, if I've got to travel, you know, an hour each way to work, I mean, that means that the cost of, you know, getting to work increases. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have the flexibility to be able to raise salaries, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as quickly as we would like to. Um, so what we've seen um, is, you know, w- with retention, I mean, the best thing that we can do and put in place right now is uh, to offer people an opportunity to have flexible work schedules, right? Uh, whether it's uh, remote work or, you know, four, 10 hour days per week and, you know, one day mm-hmm. uh, uh, where you're not working. Um, things like that uh, have been helpful, but, I think if we had the flexibility to be able to offer, you know, bonuses and things like that, uh, that we probably could be a whole lot more successful sure. in retention. But what we're but what we're seeing right now is that some of the people who are staying are seeing opportunities um, to, you know, move up in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we need people who are, um, you, you know. Uh, who who know DMV, the DMV culture, who understand the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, they're more likely to be the ones that uh, get the promotion sure. when someone either retires or leaves the organization yeah. that's in a higher position. That's a challenge right now because it creates, creates instability in the organization. 
and I don't know when that's going to settle, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's, it's almost like a, a shell game, so to speak. Um, you know, you try to knock down your vacancy rate, but mm -hmm. really what you're doing is moving one person from a lower position to a higher position. Yeah. And until all of that kind of settles down. You're still just moving the air in the balloon. We're still just moving yeah. air in the room. Yeah. 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 And what about the first goal? Public not noticing, feeling the impact. Um, hard to measure that one, yeah. right? Uh, because the, the pandemic created some disruptions. Um, we, we, so so I, I use the scan center as an example. Um, that's where title work comes in. And, you know, we try to stay on top of that title work. But, you, you know, if, if we had a situation where our, our safety protocols required that unit to shut down for a day or two, that's a day or two of work that gets behind. And that's mm -hmm. significant. Um, so um, I, I would say that the move didn't necessarily create a huge disruption in, in services like that. Um, but the move in conjunction with the pandemic sure. um, uh, cre created some disruption. But all in all, I mean, we kept moving. Um, and, you know, I'm, this is not to um, talk badly about my, my, my uh, colleagues across the country and other jurisdictions, but, um, you know, uh, I just appreciate the fact that uh, our employees were open to continuing to do business. Mm -hmm. I mean, understanding that, you know, from day one with the move, that our goal was continuity of operations. Right. Uh, so when the pandemic hit, we, we, we kind of already had that mentality uh, that we've got to keep things keep going. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we did that. And now, so are you done with all the phases of the move or you still have more phases to go? Yeah, well, we're done with the phases of the move that were required to be done statutorily, mm -hmm. right? So uh, we learned some things in the move, yeah. right, about our operations. Uh, for example, um, any DMV across the country would say that one key and critical part of its operation is mail operations, right? Yeah. Well, um, mail operations in North Carolina are, uh, are under the, the, the responsibility of uh, North Carolina Department of Transportation Facilities Unit, okay? Mm -hmm. it's, it wasn't a DMV function. They supported DMV. Um, so that part of the organization did not move with the rest of the organization. Uh, I made an appeal to the secretary uh, and deputy secretary uh, who's responsible for DOT facilities. I made an appeal to them that, you know, DMV should acquire mail services. It's it's 80% of all mail operations for the department, and it's critical to DMV, and it needs to be in Rocky Mount with all of the other operations. And so they granted me that. And so right now, we are transitioning that part of the organization, mm -hmm. uh, mail and print services, print and mail services, to DMV and to Rocky Mount. So while that wasn't part of the original plan right. uh, because it didn't fit up under DMV, uh, we're now going back uh, to to figure out how to do it, not as is, but how do we do it better and bring it to Rocky Mountain. And does that include, again, adjusting the physical facilities in Rocky Mountain to accommodate it? So even though you've designed and built and you're done, you kind of have to repurpose some of the space now. Well, we, we might repurpose some for swing space. Yeah. Um, um, you know, we, we need a place immediately. I mean, kind of like really quickly for print and mail services to occur, uh, you know, by January. Mm. 
um, the permanent space will be built out because there's additional space in that area. Mm -hmm. um, the permanent space will likely be built out sometime in spring, early summer, uh, so that that part of the organization will move permanently. Um, but yeah, we, we've got to be flexible. We've learned to be agile. Yeah. Yeah. And what other lessons around the operations that maybe you picked up or, um, you know, DMVs don't move very often. I no. think it's a fairly rare thing. You know, if you look around, you know, North America, folks are in the same building that they've been in for decades. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are the lessons learned that others might want to consider? What do you think they've accumulated the most of in those decades? Besides just paper, paper, paper? Paper, paper, yeah. paper. Yeah. Right. And so another goal was to get rid of paper. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, you know, anything that we're required to keep, um, you know, we, we went through all of our paper um, and things that we were required to keep, we scanned it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a huge scanning effort on part of the organization. We learned mm -hmm. a lot there because what we learned is that we want to do more scanning uh, and less printing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've got a huge pro a back office project right now. Um, where we are starting to figure out how to do that better. Um, but we, we, we got rid of paper. Yeah. I did not want to put loads and loads or tons and tons of paper on the truck. It's expensive and unnecessary. So we, we had a huge scanning operation in advance of the move to make sure that we were not unnecessarily moving paper. Nice. And were you able to marry that with uh, operational changes in terms of date forward to make sure that when you get there, you just didn't start collecting the paper again? That is the goal, yeah. right? Is to put in place a, a, a process for, you know, not just scanning the paper that was sitting in a file cabinet or, I mean, we left hundreds of file cabinets, right, <laughs> yeah. right in yeah. the old location. Uh, but the goal was not just to empty those file cabinets out. It was to never have to need them again. Yeah. Uh, that was the goal. Now, I can't say that we were 100% successful across the organization because we just didn't have enough time. I mean, we had a very short window to make a very right. significant move. Scanning is time is intense to, you know, get them all through the machine. It is, it is. Um, but, you know, I feel very, very confident that within the next, I'd say 12 to 18 months, um, we will have a scan effort in our organization um, that will allow everything to be scanned at the point of entry. Mm -hmm. um, and the documents will be available to any part of the organization that needs to access those documents uh, to do what they do. Mm. Um, so it, it showed us that we needed to do that. This move showed us that we needed to do that and do it better. Um, and so we're settled and we're moving forward with that. And culturally, was that accepted, excited, resisted? Well, we've, you know, I've had my filing cabinets for 25 years, or was it like, oh yes, you're freeing me of this. What was the temperature? Yeah, the, the cultural side of it, I don't think anybody has any concern about scanning the documents, mm -hmm. right? Um, but what we, what we culturally uh, have had a hard time to give up is our printers, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, you know, what I've challenged the team on is, you know, is there a way for us to add an extra screen on someone's desk versus putting a printer on their desk? Right. I mean, there are parts of our organization that everybody has a printer on their desk and they print out a document so that they, they can, can do read data, it. data entry. Okay. Yep. Right. Um, and I, you know, like to get rid of data entry as much as possible by using optical character rec recognition technology um, through the scanning process. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, you know, that is a challenge. I mean, it's, it's cultural. Uh, it's part of change management. And we have to uh, help our employees to understand that, you know, it's not you losing a job. It's just that you'll be doing a different job. Right. And, and, you know, hopefully we're pushing you up the value chain in the process. Uh, so instead of doing data entry, you're doing data analysis, right? Right, and and you know I can I can better make an argument for giving someone a salary increase who's doing data analysis versus data entry. Right. Now you're doing something that a computer can't do. I need the human to do it. That's right. Yeah. And so you know that that's the challenge. You know you got to get your employees to understand that as you take on these types of uh, uh, enhancements uh, in, in your organization, you know whether it's well, any form of automation, that it's not an attempt for a robot to do your job. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's an attempt for us to become more efficient, uh, more accurate, um, and that, you know, we will, we will try to make sure that we're pushing people up the value chain in, in terms of the new role that they, they provide to the organization. So it's really fascinating listening to you tell this entire story. You know, you started with, I didn't know I was even going to have to do this move when I took the job. And what I think for many might have been a very tactical, we just got to move people from point A to point B and not disrupt the operation. Um, you've either knowingly or unknowingly turned into a whole organizational cultural shift. Right from supervisor flexibility, work styles, um, employee growth and development, and just the way you do business. Um, I guess that's the question, knowingly or unknowingly? You know, like I, I saw this and we're gonna do it, or it kind of organically grew that way? Uh, a lot of it, we, we knew. Yeah. But we allowed ourselves the ability to shift um, as we needed to, I mean, we had to. I mean, everybody had to during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, because, it, it, <laughs> as me and my wife say, as of today, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> right. the new model, right? Absolutely. You know, as of today, this is what we're doing. Uh, it could change tomorrow, but at, at DMV, you know, it's like as of today, this is how we're doing things, but tomorrow that can change. And I think we've all um, organically shifted um, um, to, to that type of mindset because we've had to. Um, we, we knew going into uh, this move that we would have to, you know, we, we, we wanted there to be no disruption in service, um, that we'd lose employees, um, and that, you know, paper is an expense that we didn't want to ha have to have because we needed to move it. That's right. Um, I mean, you know, like those fundamental things were there already, and we knew that um, we had to do it quickly, so we might not be able to um, enhance, for example, our scanning operation in time to be able to move. Um, but it pushed us, it challenged us, so that once we did make that move, we knew more exactly what we wanted to do when we got there, yeah. right? Uh, in terms of, you know, the potential yeah. um, um, to improve that part of our organization. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's monumental change to our organization and, uh, you know, I can't wait for uh, the people of North Carolina to experience uh, a more efficient DMV, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not something that they're going to be able to see in a driver's license office or a license plate agency. Um, but hopefully what they will see is that, you know, their, their, their titles will come more timely, things will be more accurate, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, um, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to that shift. Nice. And the people that are going to the new office, whether, you know, that are making the commute one day a week or five days a week, you happy with the space? You like the space? They're, you know, excited to be in a new, the new shiny office? It's a beautiful space. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, if, if we had more time, and I'm not going to say that again, but um, we, we move pretty quickly. Yeah. And, you know, what I wanted to make sure is that once employees got to Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, but once they walked into that office space, they, they would say, wow, this is a great place to work, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and when some of us have gone back uh, to do some assessments of the old space, and we look at it, and it's just yeah. Oh, yeah. so different, and I hate to say it, dirty. Yeah. Um, that you know, it's just amazing that we were working in that type of an environment, but we moved to this new environment um, where, I mean, it feels like real office space. Yeah. It, it feels like you know somewhere where you want to come to work every day, and and that is the feedback that I've gotten from employees, but you know, my experience at the General Services Administration helped me out a little bit too. Sure. So. I wanted to make sure that there were things like uh, employees who sit in the middle of a building in the in the middle of offices, you know, have some access to sunlight, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or just to be able to see what the weather's like outside. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, something as, as small as putting uh, glass walls up instead of you know. Um, um, a regular wall absolutely so that employees could see that hey it's sunny outside or it's cloudy outside that natural light is that huge it's huge um, and um, so so I learned that from my GSA experience yeah. and so I brought that to, to DMV with me um, you know we would have done more things um, like having focus rooms and you know color-coded carpet so that people would know what right. sections where and um, but uh, time and resources, yeah. um, uh, did, did, we didn't have the benefit of time and resources yeah. to be able to do things like that. Yeah. But it's a great space, uh, get great feedback from our employees. The biggest challenge is um, uh, proximity to sure. where they live. Yeah, can't, mm -hmm. can't change that, right? It can't change that. It is where it is. Yeah. yeah, but you know, the other part of this too is uh, e Eastern North Carolina is, 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 is rural um, and um, what we saw <laughs> is that um, when we first started talking about this, uh, somebody did a Google map and there was one person that lived in Nash County, which is where our current location is. And, um, and now we've got 45, right? Um, and we've got even more than that coming from the more Eastern side of North Carolina uh, who've come to DMV to accept jobs. Mm. And that is a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it, that makes me feel good that uh, there are now opportunities for people who would not have had uh, an opportunity to work at a place like the Division of Motor Vehicles headquarters um, in that part of the state. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, these are these are jobs that um, you know I, I think that they pay uh, decent compared to the rest of uh, the area. But they also provide benefits. Sure. Um, that security of that state and, position. And, yeah. and security, right, through through the ups and downs of an economy. Yeah. Uh, we're still there. That's right. So speaking of shifting and changes and your background with GSA, you've recently announced yeah. that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to move on from the North Carolina DMV. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's bittersweet. I mean, we've accomplished a lot. I mean, the move is a very big part of that, yeah. right? 
Um, and uh, I, I love, absolutely love DMV. I love the people at DMV. Um, and, you know, I've, I've come to know them as, you know, hardworking, dedicated, and people with a can-do spirit. Um, we've seen that, you know, getting through a move during the pandemic, so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there, there comes that time where um, you, you say, okay, it's time for someone else to take the reins and take it from here. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and, and also an opportunity to, to move on and do something different and new, uh, a, a new challenge. I like challenges. Yep. Uh, that's why I came to DMV. Um, so it, it, I'll be headed to the North Carolina Department of Information Technology, DIT, mm -hmm. um, in a role as a chief operating officer. Exciting. Yeah. And not just because the commute is better. <laughs> not just because the commute is better. Uh, a lot of factors there. Um, but, you know, I, I like a challenge, um, and I don't, I don't mind a new challenge. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and that's where I am at this point. And that's also consistent with your, your background. I mean, you, you came into the DMV, you, you took it on, but for folks who don't know you, you know, necessarily you come from a government background, but not necessarily the DMV background. Right. That's right. I mean, my, the majority of my time has been spent in federal government. Um, I worked for a member of Congress for a very long time, almost 20 years. Mm. Uh, then I went to the General Services Administration. Uh, I was there for two, almost three years. Um, from there to, um, I was the director of the Office of Small Disadvantaged Business Utilization at the U.S. Department of Transportation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, from there to a small startup company in the trucking industry, which was fun, um, but it ran out of cash. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and then to DMV. Yeah. So, you know, I've got a range um, yeah. of, of experience, and I just look forward to growing that range of experience. Um, so one thing builds on another, and uh, I appreciate the experience that I've had at DMV. I've learned a lot, I've done a lot. Uh, and it's time to move on. Excellent. Well, congratulations to well, you. You will, you'll certainly be missed from the AMVA community. You've uh, been a great member of the AMVA Board of Directors, and we've gotten to work together on some projects. It's always been a, a pleasure, and your, your insightfulness and your wisdom um, will be missed at the table. Well, invite me back, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love AMVA. Um, AMVA has been... Um, has been there for uh, for all of us. I mean, I, I think I can speak on, on behalf of any administrator in any jurisdiction. Um, the value that AMVA brings to us and our states, our jurisdictions, um, is invaluable. Um, we, um, we, we learn a lot from each other. Um, we share a lot with each other, mm -hmm. and it just, it just makes for a better uh, DMV across the country. And so I really, really, I mean, I'm glad I was introduced to AMVA early on. Yeah. Um, I think the International Conference in San Francisco was my first one, and uh, it was like a month after I came on board. So it was perfect yep. um, that, you know, I had just enough time to see my way around the organization, and then I got dropped into the middle of the International Conference where, you know, I hear all of these ideas and, and, and um, common concerns. Um, and I saw an AMVA community that embraced me um, and reached out to say, hey, call me anytime. Mm -hmm. And I did. I mean, took some, um, what is it called, state-to-state -state trips. Yep. Uh, I think went to Pennsylvania um, nice. and um, saw their operation. I mean, they were doing scanning that we're trying to do right now a long time ago. Yeah. So, um, hey, it, it's, a, it's a great place, and I appreciate all of the support.
Well, I think we, we will invite you back because especially doing the role that you're going into, I don't know if in North Carolina it's a centralized IT where you'll it still is. be supporting some of the DMV activities, Correct. right? Correct, it is. There are a lot, of, uh, a lot of jurisdictions that are set up like that, and I know that's a, that's a delicate dance that agencies have to do with what they're controlling on IT in their own and what they're working with a central office to do. Yeah. It's a constant conversation in the community. It is, and you know, I haven't started that role yet, but <laughs> I mean, I, I, I understand it because you know, I look at DMV is an enterprise, for yeah. example. Um, and, and one thing that I tried to do when I was a DMV is to, is to reorganize based on function, functional organization, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, um, where are all of the parts of the organization where we're doing scanning, you know? And so when we're making scanning enhancements, I mean, all of those enhancements, we should look at everywhere in the organization where we can make that scanning yeah. enhancement or taking payments. One of my examples is that one part of our organization um, could take over-the-phone payments, whereas no other part of the organization could. And I was like, you know, this is a function. This is an essential function of the entire organization. So let's look at it that way. If, if we're going to take phone over-the-phone payments, we, in one place, we should take over-the-phone payments Everywhere. wherever we can. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's the same at the state level, um, you know, accessing state records um, you know should we have one citizen log on as opposed to multiple log ons um, you know I, I think most states are probably looking at places where um, uh, there, there's that type of alignment um, so that you know you can better utilize state resources mm-hmm. um, um, and and it's just good customer service when um, a resident has one way to log in on to all services. So cool. I look forward to the challenge. Uh, look forward to coming back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you again. Again, congratulations. But it's not goodbye by any means. No, we'll certainly not have at you all. back around. Not at all. Thanks for spending time with us today to, hey. to chat and share your stories. Thanks think, for having I me. I think everyone will enjoy listening to it. Um, thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire, Jeffrey, and Chelsea Hadwin. And until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at ambacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.